Hello, I'm Darren Heath, and I'd like to welcome Caroline Stockman, Chief Executive of the Association of Corporate Treasurers, back for the next instalment in this series of podcasts. Caroline's focus today is on the benefits of and opportunities for diverse teams. Thanks, Darren. I was very taken some years back by the research Joe Stefano and Martha Majnevsky from IMD Business School in Lausanne were carrying out around diverse teams. The hypothesis was that diverse teams outperform homogeneous teams as long as they accept their diversity. Diverse teams who enjoy and appreciate their diversity can really deliver the best results. Statistics from Peterson, BCG and others show that diversity at senior levels of the organisation, exactly where it's often lacking, can increase the innovation and profitability of that organisation exponentially. Diversity has the benefits of widening the talent pool, better reflecting a diverse customer base, improving corporate governance as well as organisational culture, and breeding innovation, as I've just mentioned. When I worked for Unilever Thailand, we were an equally split board in terms of men and women, and we had a mix of Thai, Dutch, English and French members. The company was in the top 20 of Unilever organisations and was one of the few at the time which was experiencing double-digit growth. There was a great mix of both teamwork and entrepreneurship going on. This contrasted with another very large organisation I worked for where diversity was practically non-existent at the top. A few different nationalities, but all middle-aged white Western men. And sure enough, the organisation was performing well below its potential, and they just couldn't figure out why. A study carried out a couple of years back showed how little progress had been made, for example, in parts of the Western world where gender diversity had not progressed in two decades, despite the educational level of women increasing hugely. And it's only recently that things like the Hampton Alexander Review, launched in the UK in 2016, are starting to make significant inroads in terms of gender diversity. In this example, at the top of FTSE 100 and 250 companies. But that doesn't even take into account ethnicity. So we have a long way to go. Statistics around LGBTQ plus people are also shocking. 60% say that although they came out prior to joining the workforce, they went right back in the closet when they did. I haven't talked yet about disability, religion, or other aspects of diversity, nor mental illness and the issues around inclusion there. But the message is clear and was reinforced through the Black Lives Matter movement following the death of George Floyd. What I'd like to talk about today and next time, are the factors coming into play due to the pandemic which can make diversity and inclusion easier to have, and how you might think about them, as well as the potential dangers ahead and what maybe to watch out for. The fact that we're working in an ever more virtual world is a great thing in many aspects. We've learned over the past period, for those who needed evidence, that people can work well and be productive from any location. This means we can employ the best talent as the pool is that much larger. People who were discounted before because of their location or because they needed to work flexible hours for personal reasons are now included as equally valid in terms of recruitment potential. In the past, people were sceptical about their team working in different locations. And I reflected last year in a podcast on how I had a team spread across the globe, 
But once I left that particular employer, they tried to centralise everything again. It's true that there are benefits to being able to be together at times. But on the other hand, there are also great benefits from having a greater talent pool to choose from and from the diverse ideas and approaches derived from having a more diverse team. And who is to say that the first outweighs the second? Before the pandemic, I stated, quote unquote, flexible working, I believe, is going to become more and more important over time, and we need to acknowledge there are distinct pluses about it in terms of diversity. I heard recently about an IT firm which insists everyone has to work full-time in one location. They feel it aids innovation. They also seem to have a rather non-diverse staff, and so the research on diversity would suggest that they've got this all wrong. Yes, it might be comfortable for all to be in the same place together, and we are basically lazy creatures according to some research, but what's the cost? Now, of course, people have been forced to see that remote working can work, and while there are some challenges when bringing on board new people and ensuring they're getting sufficient exposure to their boss and other mentors... In all cases I've heard about or directly experienced, things are going well, often better than with the previous incumbent who entered the company in the traditional way. I note also that some teams, including my own, are saying they feel closer to each other than ever before, and that newcomers to Treasury teams are able to learn a lot from the online engagement they get. The one thing missing, of course, being the situation in an office where you overhear conversations and pick up things via less formal routes. But again, until we have measured what impact this lack of opportunity for a kind of osmosis way of learning, which by the way is only possible if your desk is adjacent to someone else's, has had, versus the benefits just mentioned, we need to be careful about drawing conclusions. But maybe here's a good place for a few tips on onboarding new employees remotely during the pandemic, or indeed at any other time. It's key to have a proper induction. So set up meetings with key stakeholders in the first week. Set up a virtual tea break with the boss at regular intervals so that the new employee can ask questions informally, as well as during the normal one-to-ones. Get other team members to check in with them and offer support. And ensure you have a social event in the first month where the new employee gets to know the whole team on a more informal basis. Remember to check in on their mental well-being very regularly And it's a good idea to keep that conversation as to how it's going, etc., separate from a work discussion. The issue here is that people will be anxious to really tell you how they're doing, especially if they're struggling. If it's tied up in a conversation about performance, where they feel they may be disadvantaged by being honest. So do ensure you don't move from one topic to the other, i.e. from how they're feeling to what they've got done in terms of deliverables, in the same conversation. You need to think of how you can keep them separate somehow. So I would encourage listeners to really think about what they've learned over the last year about working with others remotely and consider taking things a step further in terms of broadening their talent pool. Have a hard think about what roles in your organisation could work well on a remote basis and just try it out. Thanks for that, Caroline. Such an important subject, this. We'll continue it next time therefore, and go deeper into some of the current issues around diversity and inclusion that we're seeing due to the COVID experience. So for now, from Caroline and from me, goodbye and thank you for listening. 